Hola, this is Maria Plata, and I am here to tell you all about the random things I learn every day. I am a mom, a wife, a teacher, a highly sensitive person, and just a creative soul who wants to share my day-to-day learning with you. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and let's get talking. Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of the Plata Life Podcast. Today I am doing part two of Raising Bilingual Children, Um, and I decided this is going to be a three-part episode or three-episode whatever series, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, There's just so much to say about this topic, uh, mainly because I'm giving you a lot of background information about my own language journey and what it means to me and how it's affected the ability for me to raise my own child in a bilingual home. So I think it's really, really necessary to share all this with you because a lot of the behind the scenes that goes into education, I feel like, is not really talked about. And people just assume that it happens magically, and it does not. It takes a lot of work. To do anything, I would argue with that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of background that's going into this, and um, I think it's really important for you to have all of that background so that you can analyze your situation and then go from there. So, uh, let's see, update on live right now. I can't believe I've been doing this. This is the 40th episode. Um, when I started this back in January, I remember being super pregnant and realizing that uh, I might not be able to do this for <laughs> the rest of the year, uh, not knowing what was to come with COVID and <laughs> all of the craziness that's been happening lately uh, this year. So I am really, really grateful that you're here and listening to this episode. And if you haven't, heard the other episodes you can always go back and you can see all my random random rambling that I've done once a week for the past however many months nine ish months nine eight nine months I don't know uh so yeah we're in October uh almost I guess halfway through October already geez and my son is supposed to go back to school next week. We'll see what the numbers look like at the end of this week and if they decide to go ahead and open the school back up or if it's one of those, you know what, we're going to push it back again. So again, leaving that up to the universe, um, I'm kind of just, you know, it's been harder. Some days are easier. Some days are harder. It just, it's kind of just, been a a whirlwind of this is our new normal but what is normal anymore normal means different things to different people based on their comfort level I'm a super anxious person to begin with so this whole like pandemic thing makes me catastrophize like crazy and so also being highly sensitive and second guessing everything I do and questioning everything that's in my head if it's real or not Um, I think adds another layer to this whole thing. Uh, Plus throw in, you know, raising two children and being home. And it's it's been a lot. So um, 
but good, really good some days, not so great some other days, but really fantastic other days, you just, I don't know, so I just ask me in two hours, and then I'll tell you that this is all crappy, and then you ask me tomorrow, you know, like around 10 o'clock, and I'm like, I love this, so you just get a little bit of everything every day, I guess that's good, you know, if, if you like to mix it up, or if you like doing the same thing every day, just get a little bit of everything, um, but yeah, okay, so back to the good stuff, as I like to call it, uh, last episode I shared with you, you know, my personal challenge with raising my son in a bilingual home, and kind of my hopes and my dreams and what I thought it would be like, and what it's kind of come to is, I have not done a really good job at raising a bilingual child in the sense that he doesn't really speak that much Spanish. <laughs> Question mark at the end of that sentence. Um, like I explained, he could be, and I know if I pushed it hard enough, he would be. But I've had to really go back and dissect a lot of the trauma I had from having to learn English after moving here to another country and a lot of the emotional, um, yeah, call it trauma, I guess, um, that I experienced due to that, to that, uh, big move, like I refer to that as the big move, um, that I never really had a process before up until I had a child, and I think, I think the tricky part, and I'm, I'm trying to understand this as best as possible, but I think the tricky part here is that, he's getting closer to the age of eight, which is when I moved here, so I feel like it's really getting closer to that age of oh my gosh he's gonna feel what I felt and I don't want him to have that feeling and I am trying really hard to understand and accept and move away from the idea that like he's not me we're not in the same scenario it's completely different he's a completely different person than I was as a kid like kind of separate myself my experience from his experience, which is already really hard for me to do as a parent, it's just really hard for me to do in general um, with people, which is a great and not so great thing, um, because I can empathize really well, but I also cannot see people's own experiences for their experiences. I like to project a lot of my own stuff onto other people, which I could do a whole another five-part series on that, but I won't. Uh, not yet, anyways. Um, Anyways, so yeah, that's, I really shared about that. So if you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and listen to that so that you get more of the background of why I'm struggling with this part now. For today's episode, I thought I'd go more in detail with, you know, what, why I'm taking the time to really disassemble, dismantle this system of bilingualism and what happened when I started teaching in a Spanish immersion program, the realizations I had and what that did for me as as a parent um, that I was not really prepared to deal with. And so I think a lot of Hispanic parents, a lot of parents who are maybe first generation, second generation have this burden that they now have placed on them Um, that we don't really talk about, and I wish we did, because if we talked about it more, that we could really take a handle on it, and be honest about it, not that we're not talking about it on purpose, I think a lot of this, 
a lot of this, you know, for myself, I guess I can only speak for myself, but a lot of it, you know, um, brings up a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And I think we tend to shy away from those topics because you don't want to be seen as a person who's not doing the best that they can, especially if your family is like depending on you to do that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm taking this time to really disassemble the system and ask myself some really hard questions and get deep down into answering those questions before I really say, all right, this is it. Like, we're going full force. My kids can be bilingual. This is my plan, which will be on the next part. So next week, I'll share more of that piece. So um, first question, I guess, you need to ask yourself is, you know, why do I want my kid to be bilingual? So if you are raising a bilingual child at home or you are sending your kid to a bilingual um, or a dual language, Spanish immersion, whatever kind of immersion program, ask yourself why. Um, a lot of parents that I work with when I was teaching, you know, in a public school would say, I want them to have opportunities that I didn't have if they themselves were not speaking Spanish. You know, I want them to have, be able to have good jobs. I want them to kind of get a, a, heads, up, a heads up or a leg I don't know what that's, I can't think of that saying, where you get ahead, like you're ahead of people, <laughs> um, to do that, and, you know, I think having a second language is really important for that, we always joke in my family that my mom's, you know, go-to phrase growing up is like, it's because you're bilingual, like, oh, I did this, and she'd be always say, it's because you're bilingual, and like, oh, look, I got an A on my paper, it's because you're bilingual, and like, it became this, like, joke, kind of, like, with between my siblings and I, that, oh, um, I got a free Starbucks to the person in front of me in line, it's because you're bilingual, and so it just became this, like, big joke, uh, only to come to find out that, like, me speaking Spanish got me this job as a Spanish immersion teacher, and then that got me, like, nominated for Teacher of the Year. And it's, like, all these things happen. I'm, like, oh, that really happened because I'm bilingual. Wow. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of like a running joke. But uh, our whys are going to be different. And I, I we talked a lot about, you know, having a why for your purpose and what you do for career, job, whatever it is, parenting. Um, same thing goes for this. You have to think about why do you want your kids to be bilingual? Um, for me, I've come to understand, and as I go through this process, I'm beginning to understand it better, I should say, is that I really want my son to be able to connect to this deeper part of himself and to have a joy for language. So it's not so much that I want him to be able to have a better job when he's older, although that obviously will help, but I want him to be able to see this language piece as a way to connect with with others. And the reason for that is because that's when I, I think back on my experiences with language and my experiences, you know, positive and negative, it's it really is a source of connection. And I say that over and over again because is it really that important for me to get ahead for him, you know, as he's older as an adult, to get ahead in a job, to get a better paying job? Or is it more important for me 
to have him understand that we are all human beings and connect with one another. And this is a way he can help. This is a way that he can put himself out there in the world and use the skill, use his ability to help others. And so for me, I'm, I'm really beginning to understand that that is more important to me. So the way I'm going to approach this whole, my son's going to be bilingual, is going to be a little bit different. And it might not be the way that other parents are approaching it, other Spanish-speaking parents are approaching it. And so I have to be okay with that. Uh, it might not be the way that the research tells me to do it. What I know are best teaching practices. Uh, and as a teacher, it's kind of a tricky situation here because I'm not following best teaching practices with my own child. Um, because my why is a little different. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be implementing some of the same concepts or same ideas I would in a classroom that I am with my own child and that has been really hard for me to just kind of accept in, in the first place like just accept that second it's kind of challenging for me because I know that I might be viewed differently and for me that's a huge piece like I don't want people to judge me and so I'm having to get really comfortable with dismantling the system of you know who cares what people think and you're doing the best that you can for your family because your family's needs might be different and so that's okay um so yeah asking yourself why and then kind of assessing the situation okay so I want my child to be bilingual and what I mean by bilingual is this um so really t taking the time to identify exactly what you mean by that like do you mean you want your kid to be able to communicate with your grandmother on a car ride to California or do you mean like you want your kid to be able to read medical journals in Spanish so that they can become a doctor and help around the world and that's gonna really affect your approach um so you know kind of deciding that first before you come up with the plan it's gonna be really crucial uh so for me it's really about connecting so I want my sons to be able to speak in Spanish, read in Spanish, you know, uh, listen to a conversation in Spanish and be able to understand what's happening and be able to contribute to that conversation. Uh, now, whether that conversation is happening like at a party versus, you know, at a store or in a medical office, that's going to determine also the level of Spanish that I'm going to push on them. So, that's kind of where I'm at right now in this time of our lives. Uh, so determining your why behind it. And also, where are you now? So like I mentioned, like I wouldn't say my son is fully bilingual. Like He understands everything in Spanish because I've been speaking to him in Spanish the majority of his life. Um, I read to him in Spanish. We sing songs in Spanish. We play games in Spanish. But he has been resisting it for the past couple years. And so... I have to kind of step back and ask myself, oh, why is this happening now? Um, I really think, and to be 100% honest here, I really do believe he's been resisting it because he's felt a lot of my anxiety behind the language. Um, I felt a ton of pressure the last couple years to get him to be fully bilingual because I am a Spanish teacher and because... I am a good teacher and because 
Spanish is my first language, <laughs> that he should be speaking complete sentences by now. And so I've put this amount of insane pressure on myself. And so I've self-sabotaged and stopped speaking to him in Spanish the last year or so. Um, the last couple of years, I would say, I've, I've held back a lot, you know, since he started preschool and all that. So um, I tend to do that a lot when I put that much pressure on myself. I tend to then not do the things I need to do to get there because then that stops me from failing. It's like, well, I didn't do that because I stopped myself as opposed to like, I did my best and I failed. And so I, I it's like a pre, I set myself up for failure on purpose so I don't actually fail. So it, it's this whole psychological thing I do. So I know myself well enough and I'm un- accepting myself well enough now that I can say that to all the people listening that might judge me for it. So if you're judging me right now, how dare you? I'm just kidding. No, if you're judging me right now, that's okay. I, I don't mind at all. It really is more of a, I'm just verbalizing that out loud so that I accept it and move on and not get stuck there. So um, why is this happening? You know, I, I do believe that I unintentionally, intentionally, whatever, decided to cut back on the Spanish and just say, well, it's easier for me to get through this meltdown if I just process his feelings with him in English. But ultimately, I think it comes down to, I didn't want to give it my 100% of teaching Spanish because the possibility of me failing meant that I was not good enough as a parent to teach him Spanish. Therefore, I am not a good enough parent for him and to be his mom. And so I know that's like really deep and like, whoa, I can't believe she just said that out loud. But I think deep down we all have those feelings. And so I'm just putting them out there. Um, And I'm okay with that. Like, it's happened. I can't fix it now. Like, I, I, can't, I can't go back and fix that. But I can definitely acknowledge it and talk about it and share it so that there's no shame around it. Because as Bernie Brown would say, and you know I'm obsessed with Bernie Brown, you know, um, shame can't survive if you're talking about it. So it only thrives when you are kind of like secret about it. So you know what, shame, you don't, you can't exist here. So Anyway, so that's why that's been happening. So now that I know that, and I know how we got here, so now I'm going to go, you know, to the next question is, how did we get here? Well, my HSP-ness, you know, what I like to call HSP-ness, you know, being a highly sensitive person is super challenging. And this is an area where it has really shown up in my life without me realizing it. Like it's, it, and, and here's the thing, it didn't happen like overnight. It's not like one night I said, oh my gosh, I'm scared to fail. And I'm overstimulated by the fact that my son needs a lot of emotional coaching and support. I don't know how to do that to begin with, let alone do that in Spanish. So I'm throwing in a towel, that's it, no more Spanish ever again. Like it was, that's not at all how it happened. It happened in very small increments and it happened in very tiny, small decisions that I said to myself, it doesn't really matter if I change to English this one time. Oh, that's okay. He responded to me in English, like next time I'll fix it or 
I'll I will add in more Spanish time for this or I'll have him join me for my tutoring session so that way you know he'll pick up on the Spanish even more so it was very incremental and it happened very slowly and then before I knew it I'm I'm doing a podcast about how I'm raising bilingual child at home and he's not really that bilingual <laughs> um, so that's how I got here uh, so now I have to kind of backtrack and figure out the mystery of how this happened and my steps and like where did I kind of take this route as opposed to the other route I could have taken and I would say this is a step that a lot of parents don't want to take um, when I, I, w- I would ask parents you know why is your child in this program and they would go to their default answer of oh, I want them to have a nice job or a better job or oh, my culture is really important to me. I want them to be able to like share in that. And it's great. I think those are great answers and valid answers. But if I were to ask them, okay, well, what have you been doing to get your child there? Well, I signed them up to be in a dual language program or I signed them up to be in a Spanish immersion program. Um, Kind of taking the responsibility off of themselves, which I get it as a parent. Like, obviously you pick the school, if you can, for your kid, because that's what happens. Um, but I think that's where I saw a huge difference. And where, you know, the whole, like, not everyone has the same access to education in our communities. And that's where it really stung for me a lot. Like, when we moved here from Mexico, like, man, what I would have given and what my parents would have given to be able to put me in a Spanish immersion program, the access I would have had, the type of learning I would have done, the opportunity, more opportunities I would have had had I been in a Spanish immersion program as an eight-year-old child who loved language already and not have to wait two years to be back to loving language and loving school and all the anxiety it would have saved me and all of the unhealthy habits I wouldn't have formed and so I go back to that so when parents would say that to me you know and I'm a Spanish teacher and a pretty you know like the majority of my students were in English-speaking students and I had a few you know Hispanic kids who were Spanish-speaking but not a whole bunch like it would it was not 50-50 for sure um, that stung a lot for me. And it was, I, I couldn't see myself in these students because I knew that the kids I saw myself in were next door, not having access to this type of program. And so there's something within me that just really felt like, how do I fix this? It feels like such a huge thing to fix. I don't know how. So I'm just going to pretend everything's fine and do the best that I can and be an awesome teacher. And so I did those things and something within me still didn't sit right and still doesn't. And I still don't know what I'm going to do about it. But I do know this is that for my own child, I can do both. I can, you know, be an awesome Spanish teacher and also teach him of the injustices that he might see in the world because I don't want him growing up feeling any guilt or shame around his language. 
And I don't want him growing up in an environment where he thinks it's only cool to speak Spanish when it gives you a leg up. Is that how you say that? A leg up? Is that? The, I think that's a saying. Um, like, I want him to know that language is a fun and an amazing way to connect with others, you know, through it opens up doors for learning about culture and to connect with family and to learn about your past and your history and to not let go of that piece of himself because society's telling him to, but at the same time to understand that others may not view it that way and that someone out there might view his language as a problem and try to strip that away from him and how to fight back. Um, so this is my way, I guess, of fighting back in a different way. I don't know. I'm still exploring this area. So how did we get here? Well, this is how we got here, you know, all that happening. But now I'm backtracking and kind of understanding this whole bilingualism in a really deep way. Like, it's like not just learning about how to teach, it's not just a pedagogy of, you know, this is how you learn a language. It's, it's the feeling behind it. It's the the HSP-ness behind it. I'm sure there's like the sensitivity behind it. I, don't, I have to stop saying HSP-ness because it's driving me crazy. I'm sure it's driving my husband crazy. I keep calling that too. But I mean, it's a cultural challenge too. You know, where are you in the cultural piece and um, how have you played into a system where it's okay for one classroom to teach Spanish, but right next door there's a classroom full of brown kids who are don't have access to their own language? Like that just starts to crazy. So it's a whole system uh, of how do we make it equitable for everybody, and how do we fight for that? Um, so I'm beginning to really understand that my family and my children kind of will be like the middle ground for some of this. And I got to start thinking strategic strategically here because they're going to play a big role in that as they get older, not to put that on them, that burden, but, you know, realistically they are, you know, they might be the bridge for some of these communities as they get older. And so how do I prepare my son, especially, you know, the older one, because he is highly sensitive. I don't know about the baby yet. He he might not be. He might. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but how do I prepare him emotionally so he has the capability to be that resource for people, to be that ally, and also teach him the language at the same time? So it's it's kind of the duality of that, and it's a double-edged sword here that I have to think about. So... Anyways, part two, you know, why do you want your child to be bilingual? Really dig deep and go ask yourself why over and over again. Well, I want them to have a good job. Well, why is that? Well, I want them to do this. You kind of ask yourself why like seven different times and really what what answer do you get to the end of that? Um, does this does it struck a chord somewhere in there with something that happened in your childhood or something that's happening in your family? Does it hit any kind of trauma that you need to work through? Because trust me, when your child says, I don't want to say that in Spanish, or Spanish sucks, or I don't want to speak in Spanish, it's hard. Uh, because they will say that, you know, how do, what kind of things are going to come up for you? Because if that makes you want to cry and go into the other room because you feel rejected as a person, I think there's a little bit of trauma that needs to be worked through. Um, 
not speaking from experience or anything, right? Uh, <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Yeah. Um, and then ask yourself, you know, how did I get to this particular spot in our lives where we are right now? How did I get here? How do I backtrack my steps? And where do I actually want to be and why? You know, where do I want my family to be 10 years from now, language-wise? And why do I want that for my family? And so having this piece is crucial. And I really wish that I could just, like, spend so much time with parents really diving in. And I think this will be part of, like, my business model. I don't know how I'm playing into all this, but I'm feeling it deep in my bones. This is part of what... What I meant to do is, you know, really help parents and teachers explore this piece because I think we're missing it and our kids need it. If they're going to be world-class citizens who have empathy towards others, who make good choices about the world and they care about others and they are going to help have a peaceful world, you know, that includes language. Uh, a love for language that we we cannot skip this part and then the next episode which I will record next time because yeah I'm already at, I don't know how many minutes I'm at almost 30 man I talk a lot um it will be to make a plan so now that I have this information you know I've kind of worked this on my trauma a little bit I I know where I want to go I know why I'm here uh, I know why I want to go to the place where I want to go, you know, in raising a bilingual family, you know, now is the time to make a plan. So that'll be for the next episode. So definitely come back next week and I will share my plan with you. Uh, so I have about a week to come up with a plan. Uh, just kidding. I already have something in my head ish. That's my work lately. It's like, well, you know what I'm doing ish. I know what I'm doing for dinner ish. Um, Yeah. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. I really hope this helps you. Um, If it is helping you in some way to kind of dive in with some of this, you know, language learning piece, please share with other parents, other teachers. I really would like to at some point start getting some other feedback from other parents and teachers, getting some other people on the podcast to talk about this um, so that we can share our experiences and our journeys with each other and kind of let each other know that we're not alone in this, that your story really does matter, whether it's with language or your sensitivity or whatever it is, your struggles, they matter and you matter and we can get through hard things together. And I'm just so grateful to be here and to be able to make these choices for my family because not a lot of people can say that. So anyways, I think I only said the word anyways one time. So proud of myself. Okay, so anyways, that's two times. Uh, I should get going. Baby's going to wake up soon. But like I said, thank you for listening. I so appreciate you being here. Please share, subscribe. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Maestra Plata. I have a Facebook page, Plata Learning and Teaching Academy. I just started a YouTube channel where I'm uploading some Spanish videos. Um, what else? I think that's the main thing. Pinterest, if you're on Pinterest, I'm really starting to share my artwork on there. So anyways, uh, three times, second. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it helped you in some way. And I will talk to you next time. Hasta luego. Adios.